Do you ever feel all alone out there running your landscape, hardscape, or outdoor living business? Struggling in silence to grow and scale profitably with fewer employees? Wishing there was a better way to make money in this industry without all the insanely long hours and ridiculously hard work? You're not alone. This is your host, Joshua Gillow. Each week, our tribe comes together to empower business owners to add more profitable services by teaching how to successfully hire and manage subcontractors. Join my inner circle mastermind. Gentlemen, it's time to start winning. For more information, email me, hello at yes.express. Again, it's hello at yes.express. Now, let's get on with the show. Welcome back to Outer Spaces. Today, we're going to be interviewing Jared Johnston uh, from the Pittsburgh area. Jared started out in the corporate world where he didn't find the, the level of passion that he's looking for. And believe it or not, he shifted over to starting a landscaping company, funny enough. And he's going to share a story on how he went from $175 leaf cleanup in his year one to over seven figures in under four years. Tune in and find out how he did it. Hello, and welcome to Outer Spaces, a podcast dedicated to empowering designers and contractors in the outdoor living space. Through this show, I hope to create a powerful resource for you, someone who is trying to grow their company, but might not have all the tools and processes to do so. On Outer Spaces, we're passionate about breaking the chains of small mindsets and helping contractors just like you take control of their businesses and their lives. My name is Joshua Gillow, and through my 25 years of dirt under the nails experience, I look forward to sharing tips, strategies, and other contractor success stories here on the Outer Spaces podcast. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Outer Spaces podcast. It's sponsored by Yes Express, where we help landscapers, hardscapers, and outdoor living pros double their sales in half the time. Today, I have someone on the podcast who I think you're going to really enjoy. And the reason why I say that is because I've been able to witness his transformation in the last few years, and he's gone from the corporate world into running a seven-figure landscaping outdoor living uh, design build business in under four years. So I'd like to welcome to the show here, the owner of Jared Johnston Landscaping in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, Jared Johnston. What's going on, Jared? Not much. Uh, everything's going well. And uh, as you mentioned that name, Jared Johnston Landscaping, I cringe a little bit because I never wanted to have my name actually in the title. Uh, but at the last minute, I couldn't come up with anything. But I've recently... Uh, tested a few things out this year and we're going to be transitioning through the winter uh to jared johnston or i'm sorry jj outdoor living um so we have a really nice logo we like to use with a j and a j it kind of brands everything and uh trying to get away from that title of landscaper mm. and really reflect what the work that we want to do and that we have been doing is the outdoor living work Absolutely, man. So uh, well, I definitely want to pull that apart from you as well, but I'd like to hear a little bit about your story. So the audience get a sense of where you've come from. Like I mentioned in the intro coming from the corporate world into landscaping. So tell us about your background and what the hell ever possessed you to think you want to go outside and play in the dirt. Uh, I guess it started as a kid. Um, my father, my grandfather had a residential construction company. Uh, my father took it over uh, right around the time I was heading into junior high. So I, I grew up on a job site, um, come from Western PA, right out about 20 minutes south of Pittsburgh, uh, always working out in the field, tagging along with my dad, going on job sites, 
so it's really was kind of in my blood. It's really what I always wanted to do. And, uh, at the time, you know, you go through your schooling and you, you take your SATs and you sit down with your guidance counselor and they say, Hey, what are you, what are you thinking about? Let's give you some recommendations. And I said, well, my father has told me he wants me to use my head, not my back because he, he didn't have a college education. He said, you're going to college. Don't worry about this stuff. You're going to go to college, get an office job. So the guidance counselor said, go get a business degree and then you can open up any business you want. You can open up a construction company, whatever makes you happy. So that's kind of what I went off and did. Um, went through my undergraduate, had a focus in technology and business, uh, have an MBA, worked in the corporate world, uh, doing um, workforce management, workforce planning, recruiting, running HR departments, worked for big industries, all the ones that are non-controversial, banking, healthcare, tobacco, uh, home building, all the ones that find <laughs> themselves in regulatory troubles. So, um, you know, through that journey of, of college, I found myself paying my way through school, working for the physical plant at the university, uh, lying to them and telling them I know how to drive a backhoe just so that I could bouncing around campus while learning how to get that thing to drive straight, <laughs> um, digging holes in the summers, um, either working for my father or working for one of the uh, tradesmen that he would have on site. Um, then I started working with a landscaper who was a Penn State guy. Uh, he let me run equipment. I pestered the hell out of him, asking him everything I could about the plants. I just loved doing it. And I, I had more of a love towards that outdoor construction and the hardscaping and the planting uh, than I did the residential construction. Although growing up in that and doing many, many hours and summers and weekends and holidays and all through college in and out of that world, uh, I like the landscaping world. But I was on this path, right? So uh, went to went to college, uh, went back, got my graduate degree, and took off on this journey in the corporate world. Was very successful, held high level positions, managing multi million dollar budgets, large staffs, um, but just was never happy doing that work. And I found the only thing that brought me peace was when I would come home. And I would change, get out of my suit and put my clothes on and go into my basement and get out one of the expensive tools that, that I had bought and start doing trim work or uh, remodeling a powder room or a bathroom and then waiting for the Western PA winter to go away so that I can go outside and tear all the shrubs out of the new house that I new old house that I bought that I'm going to redo the landscaping and put up a fence and build a stack stone wall. And I, you couldn't give me enough hours doing that work. I used to take one of my weeks of vacation off um, every summer was spent at home doing a project. That was like the most calm time you would find uh, in my, in my life uh, at that point in time. And I love doing it. So I, I found that I never really cared much about, the work I did in, in the corporate arena um, outside of work. You know, I, I wasn't reading up on it. I wasn't studying it. It wasn't an interest of mine. I was always looking into these types of things. Mm -hmm. So um, along that corporate journey, I had been saddled with a corporate coach. A company I worked for at the time was looking to move me into a, a higher level position than the one I was in. Um, and along the first few conversations with that individual, he said, you know, we always want to have everyone's best interest at heart, but I got to ask you, what the hell are you doing here? You're an entrepreneur and you don't even know it. Mm -hmm. And I said, it's interesting you say that because I always think 
what would I be doing if I wasn't here? I want to own a nursery or I want to be around plants or I want to do a design build type company. So I was loyal to the company and really focused on the journey that they were trying to put me on to develop myself. But after that, he would always give me a little coaching. And about 18 months after that, I finally, uh, after painstakingly spending many hours in the evening building out a business plan um, that quite frankly went in the garbage after I got started because I was so busy. Uh, but I had every little down to the, you know, the socioeconomic research, what neighborhoods would I be in? How many mortgages, how many houses are owned? What's the average income? This is where I'm wow. going to work. This is the type of things I'm going to do. Um, you know, I had this plan put together and I said, let's put the two week notice in and, you know, let's go for it. And, and that's what I did. And, uh, I actually gave the company more than two weeks and um, I stopped work on March, either March 13th or March 15th, 2019 uh, at 1130. That was like the end, you know, I'd gone around and said goodbye to everybody. I left in my suit and tie and I came home and I put on boots, jeans. It was cold as hell outside, got dressed up, got some gloves and, and drove in this, this truck to my first client, uh, to do a fall or a, a spring cleanup real early for them, uh, for, I think $175. And mm. I was humbled to drag heavy, wet tarps of leaves up this big hill and lugging them and putting them into a pickup truck. I didn't have a dump truck at the time. I had a pickup truck and, um, got done with the job. I was so happy. I got my first client I found off of, uh, next door. And Josh, as you know, I'm not a, a guy that's on the new newest technology. So for me to even have found that and be on that, to get a client that was like cutting edge for me. Impressive. Um, I try not to get jobs off of next door anymore. They, they tend not to fit the profile for my mm. customer or go Absolutely. through our process that I've learned from you. So yeah, that's a little bit about how I, I went through that. So I feel like I'm doing what I've always wanted to do. And it just, I just took about an 18 year detour mm. to get to that place. Uh, and people thought I was crazy when they, they said, well, what are you doing? And I said, I'm, I'm leaving the sort of landscape construction company. And they said, you're leaving, you know, this big skyscraper and one of the biggest healthcare companies in the country to go mow lawns. I said, I'm, I'm not going to be mowing lawns, but we'll figure it out. And here I am. It's uh, we're wrapping up. We're about two weeks from wrapping up our fourth season right now. So cool. And how did your family react to that? shift. I mean, you made a decision to, to leave corporate world, but how was it like at home with that decision? Well, um, my, my, I have two boys, uh, 11 and nine right now. They thought it was the coolest thing in the world. They mm -hmm. saw, you know, I getting accumulating these, uh, assets and, and, and truck, big truck. Um, and my wife was super supportive about it. You know, she, uh, she manages the house. She doesn't have an employer per se, although, you know, we're a hard job managing the house and us and all of our That's doctor's true. appointments and school and all of those types of things. Uh, but very supportive. I and mean, we had a you know, conversation about it. She said, I think you can do it. You know, just you work hard and you've been successful in everything else you've done. So, so run with it. Uh, you know, I know you've been upstairs for six months needling your business plan, <laughs> so you should have it all figured out. Yeah. Um, and I had some good mentors along the way, people I had met, Maybe I've worked with them or reported to them in previous companies or just people in the community that I knew who encouraged me and helped me along the way. Um, individual that I worked for from Penn State, had a lot of long conversations with him about it, um, gave me some good advice. And 
off to the races. And that's, that's where I am. I love that. So you give up the corporate world, you come out into a world of uncertainty, but you know, deep in your heart that you're meant to be here, right? So what are some of the first things that you faced as you went out there and started? You said your first project was the same day you quit and, or walked out and, uh, you know, it was $175. What are some of the things that you ran into in the beginning that you didn't anticipate? Well, um, ironically, I spent many years, uh, owning and managing recruitment departments for these big corporate entities. Um, so uh, the irony in that is the former recruiter had a hell of a time recruiting people to work for his own company. Um, I severely underestimated that part of my business plan, mm. getting people to work for me. Yeah. So started in you know second, third week of March, 2019. I didn't have my first employee until July. Wow. Uh, I lost 30 pounds. I was looking good. I was in fighting weight. I was mm. doing everything myself and running ragged and the phones ringing and going out to estimate jobs. And, you know, I'm treating a $1,200 mulch job like it's a $100,000 job and line item contract. These people probably thought, what the hell is this guy doing? He's just putting mulch <laughs> down. Um, yeah, you can be a little detailed, can't you? <laughs> yeah, but I, I was severely underestimating how hard it would be to get labor. And that still is the case. Um, the first hire I had was kind of by accident. Um, my father had overheard someone talking in the doctor's office about their husband being laid off from the construction arena and he's looking for work. And he said, Oh, Hey, my son has a landscape company. He's looking for people. Uh, she, he gave her the name of the company and he, I guess she was talking to her husband about it and their daughter overheard. And she said, that sounds interesting. So she called me one day. I'm driving in this at, the, at this point, a couple months in, I get this smelly popsicle orange dump truck and I'm driving down the highway and the phone's ringing. And, I, you know, I'm always trained to answer the phone. I'm talking to this lady and young girl. And I said, what the hell? I need help. Uh, she had never held a shovel before in her life. Uh, she ended up being my best employee that season. I found a few more college kids to help out, but uh, that was one of the biggest hurdles and, you know, still remains a challenge, but I'm, I am finding my way in that world and, you know, getting good employees, uh, paying them well, giving them opportunity and really kind of managing from behind and, and, and just giving them the opportunity. So that's always been a challenge. Um, and, uh, understanding what happens in the marketplace and who I want to be. And when you start, you'll take anything, right? Yeah. Um, I, I have done some silly things out there in terms of the final product just because, well, I can do that and they want to pay for it. Yeah. Um, those things don't happen anymore in a short amount of time. And oh, a lot of that to, to you and the training I've gotten from you and yes, express and going through what true design looks like, uh, and knowing where we want to go. So I, I say like the short answer to that's definitely staffing has, has been a challenge and still is challenging, but is getting a little bit more clear and realizing, um, who our customers are and the type of work we want to do. And then you, you know, you kind of flounder around a bit trying to figure out what do I charge? I, I still don't know if all my numbers are, where they need to be. Some areas I think I'm, I'm too high. Some I'm, I'm right on point. Some I'm too low. So this winter will be spent uh, with rebranding and then implementing a, a back office system that's going to track our numbers tightly and allow me to do 
job planning um, and job costing that's way better than an Excel spreadsheet or chicken scratch early Saturday morning on a piece of paper. Been there, brother. (laughs) That's why I ran the first many years of the business was just, uh, hey, it works, right? Just kidding. How do you possibly find the time when you're trying to run a business, you're out on site working because you have either labor shortage or no one does it as good as you do. So next thing you know, you're out there constantly trying to make sure Mrs. Jones is happy and you find yourself coming in on weekends and your family wants time and you want to have a social life too. And you're like, when do I find time for all of this stuff? But uh, that's growing pains. That's where most of us start. We don't start out with the whole book where we, you know, can read the whole book and be like, you know what? All right, good. I, I've read this whole book called business and now I know exactly what to do. Step one through step nine, and I'm going to end up being here. So the cool part is with your story is that you went from $175, uh, you know, cl- cleanup to over a million in revenue in under four seasons, which is pretty remarkable. So take me down some of the paths that you've taken in order to get that accelerated growth and how are you managing it? So, uh, some of the things I've done, a big part of it is just investing in myself, um, Mm -hmm. getting good mentors, uh, getting proper training, and then just being passionate about it. Um, a lot of those things that I learned in the corporate world were not in vain. I take a lot of that with me. I mean, I, I handle my customer with kid gloves and treat them as, you know, we're, we're trade oriented, but it definitely has a very consultative spin to it. Um, so I think it's easy for me to speak that language and dial it up or dial it down when I need to with my clients. Um, but you know, understanding what makes money and what doesn't make money is really big in that, um, the type of work that we want to do, uh, and then what we're good at, you know, so as we get the right information on how to build something. We get trained on it. We do it a few times. We realize, Hey, this should have took three days. It took us six. Next time. Can we do it in five or four and a half? And then we go, we've got it dialed in. And these are the type of projects that we can do successfully in, in a good amount of time and have good profit on it. Um, it's just been going through those rhythms. So I know that you know, we did our, we were wrapping up our first six figure job right now and it was done in in a reasonable amount of time and we had help. So I did a lot of of the labor share, but a lot of design manage on this job. Mm -hmm. Uh, In previous jobs, we do the whole design build. Uh, Sometimes they go really well and sometimes they don't, but we've learned, you know, we're really good at the 20 to $60,000 job. And and we have a system down and a process down. So that's really helped um, in figuring out who we are and what we do well. And then that allows us to filter through the calls that come in and the clients that come to us. And I can say, you know, this is where we, we can fill a schedule and we can do this amount of revenue and this amount of time, we generally know what it's going to cost and what type of profit it should make. And is that where we want to be? And is that what's going to allow us to meet all of our obligations for our debts, our labor, uh, and give money to grow at the end of the month, at the end of the quarter, at the end of the season, uh, versus just blindly taking whatever work and finding out we're on a bunch of projects that you know, we, we just did because it was money, right? So yeah. I, I think that's critical is figuring out who you are, what you're good at, spending the time to have the right training, education, mentor, you know, sales rep as a partner, um, and figuring out how to, how to design and build those jobs. Um, the confidence 
is always hard for most people, right? So um, the first time I had to do a bigger design and a bigger rendering and try and sell it to a customer, I have a lot of confidence issues and I've never been here before. Are they going to think I'm full of shit? Um, how do I get this over the goal line? But once you do it and you do it a second time and you do it a third time, that is no longer where you waste a lot of energy worrying. It's like, okay, now do I have the right skill in-house? Do I need to bring in outside help? Um, do I have the right you know, timeline and Gantt chart? So all of those things come into play and it's just constantly evaluating that uh, to take us from, you know, uh, $250,000 a year to a $500,000 a year to a $700,000 a year to, you know, an over a million dollar a year. It's just repetition. And then we step back at the end of every job and I'll say, okay, what went good? What went wrong? How can we do this? Could, could we do this same job if we had to start tomorrow in less time? Um, if not, why? What's in the way? Is it people? Is it tools? Is it technology? So these are a lot of the things that I was trained in in the corporate world. And I, I try to implement them in my business to help me continue to keep on the straight and narrow around, you know, what are our goals? Where do we want to get to? And, and how are we going to get there as quickly as possible? Um, and then the last thing I would say to that, you know, how do you make that journey? Having the right people in your, you know, your, your stable or your circle to go to and ask questions, um, get advice, explain what issues you had after they had and how would you do this differently uh, and making sure you've got the right circle. You cannot do this on an island. It, it is impossible. I'm amazed at the amount of contractors that act as if they're the only game in town. They don't want to share. They don't want to communicate. They don't want to partner because it, at least in my area, in my neck of the woods, um, there's more work than there are qualified builders out there. So, you know, if you run in the right circle, you can all help each other keep your pipeline full with work um, and you can kind of toss things back and forth to each other. So the more you guys, the more we talk um, and the more we share and the more we help each other, you know, the, the easier it gets. But um, other people's help and having gratitude towards people who take time out of their day is huge. I've met people along the way who are complete and total strangers to me at the onset of that relationship mm -hmm. who have spent more time or taken more interest in what I'm doing than people that are in my real close circle. Yeah. So without those people, I don't know where I would be at this point. I mean, I would still be, you know, trudging along, but I don't know that it would be at the clip or the rate of speed that I'm at today. Yeah, man, you're, you're crushing it. It's just fun to watch you go. And I love that you have that concept of what I like to call the AAR, which is the after action report. So once you do a project, you look back and you say, what worked well? What didn't work well? What do we need to work on? And you look at it as a team, as opposed to just putting your pride in a way and being like, well, that one just didn't work. It's because of them. That's their fault. You're the victim, right? And next thing you know, you go into the next project, same problem, you lose money again, and it continues down that slope. So to stand back and, and take an actual assessment of what happened, good, bad, and indifferent and figure out how to make it even better next time. That's huge, dude. That's why you're growing so fast. I would say, you know, like looking at that, um, I think you called it AAR after action report last year. And I'm guesstimating, right? I think we probably did something in the area of, you know, in the low twenties versus a lock segmental retaining walls. 
um, a lot of them. And it generates a lot of numbers for that top line, mm-hmm. but it's just brutal work. It's a ton of work. It's a ton of burning calories. And at the end of the day, our profits on them, you can only charge so much for that work. Yeah. I said, man, we, we burned a lot of calories. We did a lot of these walls, you know, for a company of my size at that time. This just isn't worth it. So we moved on to Ohio stone walls or, you know, big uh, natural boulders. Maybe they're they're, uh, machined a bit or um, modified a bit to make them easier to stack. And you're using the excavator, uh, which really opened my eyes up for the beauty of bringing in natural boulders. And, you know, we've done some really modern landscapes with um, smooth techo, large format pavers, and then we'll stick a couple big gnarly boulders on the corner and cut them around, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, water features. um, There's a lot of rolling hills in Western PA. So, you know, how do we tear the yard and use boulders to make it look somewhat organic? And whereas a lot of the guys who just are chasing the dollar and trying to keep their truck on the road and, you know, make their payroll at the end of the week, they're just going like all they're thinking about, where's the next verse of lock wall? Where's the yeah. next verse of lock wall? Because they're not stepping back and looking down on it. I said, I'm not saying that I won't do a verse of lock wall, you know, if, if work slows down or if it's the right number. Uh, but if I get those that come to me, like usually my price is ridiculous on it because we're going to take the time to make it right. We're going to build it to the NCMA NCMA standards. Uh, We're going to give it, you know, BMW or Mercedes fit and finish. And I'm like, it's just a wall. Yes, but this wall will last. Uh, So that kicks a lot of that out, but even still at a higher price point, and I'd rather have my guys go get in an excavator and, and modify some Ohio stone or some, big limestone boulders and build something really cool that's bespoke to that piece of property and can't be duplicated to look like the next neighbor and the next neighbor and the next neighbor. Because here in Western PA, everyone has a retaining wall down one side of their driveway. Um, And most of them will fail over time and they need rebuilt. You can build a business around that, but it's not exciting. Um, You got to have a little bit of excitement and passion to come do this stuff. It's hard work. You're out in the elements. It's heavy. It's dirty. Uh, so if you're just doing the same thing over and having that Groundhog's Day, it, it's not going to be exciting. And that will impact your ability to pull in talent. 100%, dude. And on top of it, if, if and I've mentioned it many times on the podcast, the concept of transaction versus transformation, right? In the beginning, you think it's just about making as much money as you can as fast as you can, but eventually you find that it sucks your soul dry. And right. your bucket of, of fulfillment is empty, but you're making some money, hopefully. Uh, but when you start switching it up and start focusing on the, the purpose, the passion, the transformation side of things, and you start speaking within that narrative to your client and start delivering that kind of experience to your client, everything changes. Have you found that to be true? Absolutely. Um, I've had a lot of people just they kind of call me out to some degree, and I don't think it's intentional. They'll say, like my last client, the guy, the husband, uh, he's a very busy executive. He's like, you really love this stuff. I'm like, I do. And uh, as the sun was going down and I was waiting to see the, the lights turn on in the evening, we just had more of a personal conversation and told him a little bit about my background and where I came from. And we, we shared some similar upbringings in that corporate world and you know why I went to do this. And there's no, I used to have this big chip on my shoulder that there would be a lack of confidence because I didn't 
technically have a landscape architecture degree and my company isn't 10 years to 15 or 20 years, uh, doesn't matter. It really doesn't. If, if you can answer all the questions or more importantly say, I don't have an answer, but I'm going to find one with authenticity uh, and in a timely manner, get back to them and pick up the phone and have a good dialogue with the client, you instantly earn their trust. Um, and you know, it's, it's a non-issue. So um, I, I think that you know, being able to have those conversations and, and making sure that people understand you're passionate about it and that, you know, I, I question, do I even bring that former life up or do I just let them think I'm, I'm a landscaper as a landscaper or a design outdoor specialist? You know? And uh, sometimes I think, you know, it's nice for them to know that because I don't have to be here doing this. You know, I, I yeah. had a very comfortable job um, that was you know financially very lucrative and I hated every minute of it. Um, it had nothing to do with the people I worked with or the, the companies per se. It was the style of work and just watching that wheel spin and really never seeing anything be built. Uh, and when you start to, to own it and do what you want to do, I think that passion shines through. Oh, it yeah. puts customers at ease because they know you're not just there to chase the dollar and get in and out as fast as you can. Um, you know, we take it, it's attention to detail. I try to meet with my clients once a day, even if I'm only on that job for a half an hour. And here's what we did today. Here's what challenges we ran into and, and how we had to address it and the outcome of that. And here's what you can expect tomorrow. And, you know, generally we're on time to finish or complete this project in the timeline that was uh, communicated to you. And, and they love it. Some clients are, you know, there's, Hey, I want this done. Great. You know, I don't want to hear about your nerd landscape lingo. I don't need to know all the little tolerances and just get it. It looks awesome. Get it done. Tell me when you want paid. And, and those are easy too, but I really like the, uh, I think it's a, it's a partnership between you yeah. and the client. And when you go through, you know, um, the trainings that teach you how to intake and listen to what the priorities are and help them visualize what, transformation is going to occur, they like to be a part of that and that communication along the way. And it puts everyone at ease. There's no surprises here. Uh, the change orders in, in my projects are, they rarely exist. And if they do, it's an item that maybe got kicked out up front because it wasn't going to fall into the budget. And then as we start working and they see what we're doing and what we're building, they say, you know what, throw it back in. Yeah. But there's never a a moment where people are asking, what is this? This isn't what I expected because the communication's there. It's so important, dude. So important now. Here's another sales nugget I'm going to drop on you today. And this is a communication nugget, not just focused on sales. There's two things you can do when people are talking. One is you can hear them. Another that you can listen to them. The difference between those two words is enormous. Oftentimes you'll be listening, hearing sounds, but not really registering what a client is saying. To be actively listening to what they're saying and repeating their exact words back to them is a powerful, powerful strategy to make your clients realize that you're truly there present with them and listening to their every word. That is a very powerful way to be able to convey the fact that you care and that you're going to do an amazing job for them. So at a minimum, cost you nothing. Instead of hearing, start listening. And when they say they're looking for a beautiful paver patio to sit out on, an, on a, a warm summer afternoon and read a book, 
make sure you're writing that exact wording down. And when you do that and you repeat that to them, they're going to be thinking, well, you know what? This is the first person I've actually sat down with that listened to me. And how far do you think that'll take you on this journey with them through the, um, the rebuilding of their backyard or whatever the project might be? It's a huge leg up and a great competitive advantage. So take advantage of it. You mentioned earlier about doing mostly everything in-house in your design build model. Now you're transferring over to more of a design manage model, at least on some projects. Tell me about the impetus for that, making that change and what you've seen uh, potential-wise in, in making that adjustment. I, th I think a lot of that has to do with just the complexity of staffing and skill set and the amount of time that takes to get that in-house, particularly in my region. Um, you know, we're, we're paying, I know what my competitors are paying and we're trying to hit that or beat that. We still have a hard time. We're still young. So I think there are some people who are very comfortable where they are. They, they kind of raise their brow a little bit and go, well, eh, these guys are the new, new kids on the block. How long are they really going to be here? Um, so I think when, you know, when we look at, um, how do we bring those people in and, and how do we train them and the amount of energy and calories you have to burn to do that versus me spending that same amount of time to find good trade partners and do labor share. And by labor share, like the job we're on right now, we had um, some trade partners working with us for the, the heavier lifting in terms of the more skilled hardscape work. And then I have my internal staff doing the detail work, the lighting work. Uh, we, you know, we do stick one or two of our people on the job site is kind of on the job learning so they can get better. Um, but what I found is that it's easier for me to find qualified, been there, done that trade partners and give them all the specs, manage the timeline, manage the client, manage the supply chain, um, manage all the billing and just cut them a check so they can do what they do really well, which is build. And I can do what I do well, which is uh, manage, communicate, design, and you know, close the deal and collect the, the, the payments and continue to plan for the next thing. So you know, when you look at the complexities of building it internally, when you're at a shortage of interested candidates to be in your candidate pool, um, you got to make some decisions. And it's easy to find labor to do landscaping, the softscaping work. It's, it's easier to find that. Um, and that will always be a part of what we do because I love plants and the margin's great on them and you can have instant impact. But the cool stuff is in the designing and the building. And I love modern. Uh, and in Western PA, it's kind of very um, traditional and rustic. So we see a lot of people, it's a big corporate hub for a lot of high tech companies and, and healthcare companies. So we see a lot of people moving in from different parts of the country. And you're starting to see it in the architecture, the new plans that are going in and the new houses and I'm charged up by it. It's like, great, let's put some really cool, sleek, you know, I think of Creighton Barrel or Kirkland. Western PA is like Kirkland. I want to be like Creighton Barrel. Uh, sleek <laughs> and streamlined and minimalist. So, um, it's more exciting for me internally. I mean, it, it, as of right now, my name is on the company um, to build, to design and have those things be built um, than for me to just, you know, internally 
run through the ringer of how are we going to do this inside? Um, how are we going to staff to it? And, you know, do we have the skill set to get there quickly enough? So I think, I don't know if that's answering the question or not, but um, it, it seems more important and more fulfilling to me to work on building that vision around the work we want to do faster than longer. And, and the way I'm finding to do that is to, to bring in help uh, from the outside and make sure that you're charging appropriately and that you can just be a good communicator to the client to keep that timeline going. Um, so, yeah, I think we'll continue to transition to a build manage, but I think I will always, and not that I think, I, I know right now for the foreseeable future, I'll maintain uh, internal staff to do the maintenance on all those build projects on an annual basis. Mm -hmm. um, and then all of our plant work, our softscape horticultural work, you know, we have some good people in house that do it, uh, but they see all these cool things being built and they want to get experience doing that too. So we're going to put them to work, give them some training and who knows, maybe I, I'll need one less sub crew because I'll have a, a good group of guys internally that can do this. Absolutely, dude. And how has that, how have you changed your vision for the company now that you're implementing trade partners in order to design, or not to design, but to build these projects, the craziest thing you can come up with design-wise and you and your team? Like, how is that shifting your vision for the company long-term? <sighs> Buying a lot less shit. Mm. Um, it's, I mean... I always jokingly and seriously say, who knew so much would go into a company whose focus is to dig a hole and fill it back in? Mm -hmm. And there's a lot. Yeah. Uh, and everything, every tool we buy or touch is expensive. Even the small hand tools, right? Up to the $80,000 excavators and the dump trucks and the trailers and the track loaders and the, the saws. I mean, it's just all so expensive and it gets used and abused and broken and lost and uh, you know, every time you have to increase your wages, which we've done, then, you know, your payroll tax goes up, your unemployment goes up, your workers comp goes up, your general liability goes up. So the expense at building a, you know, if you want your goal to build the 30, then 50, then 100, then 300 person landscaping juggernaut, that machine has such a ferocious appetite. Um, one that I'm not interesting in fulfilling. So I like the idea of diverting that focus and those resources to tools and technology and relationships that can help me stand out as a good designer and, a, and work with that guy because he'll make life easy. You know, our, our thing is make it easy, make it enjoyable, make it last. Um, so, you know, we want to make it easy on the client. We want to make it enjoyable for both the client and for us. And then we want to have quality people build it so that it lasts and the wall doesn't fall over after two Western PA winters. Um, you know, I, th I think that's where we're, where we're looking and where we're going. Um, does that mean in two years, it'll just be me and a computer and uh, some software and cranking out designs? I don't think so. I do love going out in the field. I like picking up tools every once in a while and doing things. But I find that the more we're trying to grow this and the more exposure I'm trying to get and the more I'm trying to learn, I have less and less time for that. And uh, that's what I mean by managing from behind, give good direction to my crews and let them figure it out. You know, I had the opportunity to work with some really talented people from different parts of the world. And I've had some good taglines or, you know, comments made to me over the years, you know, one of them is if you give a person, there's nothing a person can't figure out with, you know, 
three or four hours. And mm-hmm. I'm just kind of stepping back and letting my guys figure it out so that I can figure out where the next thing is. Perhaps what's the next companion business that I open up alongside of my company, but under this really cool logo we have. Um, and what does that look like? And what's that timeline? And how will that help the existing company, but generate revenue over here to do other things? So, uh, you know, looking at it from, from that angle, I cannot do that stuff if I'm out there laying every brick, digging every hole, placing every plant, hooking up every wire transformer. It, it can't happen. Uh, but yeah, I think we'll continue to have a blend to that, right? Uh, an internal blend with the tools that are needed to do those jobs. And then we'll have a focus on you know, continuing to get out there and interview and attract good trade partners who can do that work for us because they're happy to go pay the monthly payment on the $80,000 excavator and sit in it all day and, you know, move the block left to right. Um, that's just not really where I think I'm going to build what I see for the future. I love that dude. I love that you have that clarity. Cause if you're expanding in your mind, you know what I mean? It's, it's all about mission, right? When it you nail it down, Jared, it's like when you are very clear on what your life's mission is as a person, as a human, and then your business becomes rocket fuel for that. It becomes a booster that pushes you into the, to the galaxies. And then you start different businesses that help you get there faster and help others get there faster too. It just becomes a different game. And you can't do that to your point. You can't do that if you're out there throwing papers. I did that for years. I went out and I, I loved being part of laying the base and talking to the clients and laying papers down and saying, I built that, I built that. Like, and there was some significance built into that, but there's also a bit of joy, right? You're like, I just look at that place. Like I have my hands all over that. That was amazing. But at a certain part, as you start to grow in a business, you've got to realize that you got to fire your ass fast, right? And if, the sooner you fire yourself out of the field, out of the business itself, the faster you can finally own a business instead of owning your job. And that's the thing, that's the hard lesson that I had to learn along my journey. And now I own multiple companies because I learned that lesson. And as soon as I started new and I fire myself as fast as possible, right? And get somebody in, it's who not how. So who can take care of this and do it even better than me so that I can manage the part that I want to manage, which is what lights everyone up and also that focuses on that mission. So I'm glad you have that mindset because you're going to find yourself even more pushing away from those things. Even though you enjoy it, you always have the opportunity to go out and get your hands dirty if you want to, go out and see how a job's moving. But eventually, you're going to find yourself saying, I, I own a business now. And that's that's a very different responsibility. But you've got to grow as a human to become that person. You don't start out that way. Right. Most don't, at least. Yeah, I think um, when you look at, do you own a business or do you own a job? You know, and, and talking to other business owners, agnostic of what trade they're involved in or, or what industry, um, the ones that are doing all the work, even if they, you know, the true value is, do they own a physical asset? So if they own a good piece of real estate with good frontage on a good street next to an affluent neighborhood, the values in the building, they can have 20 employees and they're one of them. But if, if it's 21 jobs and a bunch of burnt out Equipment, you know, the moment you take it out of the store, it loses value, start using it. So the trucks are really not valuable. The tools aren't that valuable. The jobs are just jobs. Uh, you know, you can sell a business and comp- in, in the trade world, it doesn't mean you bring this uh, reoccurring monthly, at least in my world, we don't mow lawns. We don't, we don't have that type of maintenance. So it's not this Rolodex of, um, kind of aged myself right there of (laughs) clients that are on a reoccurring revenue cycle, you have a bunch of jobs. So 
if I want to be out there building everything with my hands, then I own my job plus a bunch of other. Who, who wants to buy a bunch of jobs? Yeah. Uh, not to say that I'm looking to build a company up to sell it, but anyone successful that I'm meeting in my journey, they're there. They're present. They're very present because they, you know, they need to, to lead well and lead by example. But they're not building the widget. You know, yeah. they're maybe they're involved in, in selling the widget to some degree, but they're really managing from afar and trying to build other businesses. You know, whether they're related to that business or completely separate. Um, so that's something that I'm getting some mentorship in and, and some help and some guidance. And um, you and I have a history. We, we've been working together for a couple of years now. You know, I'm I'm very pragmatic and and intentionally slow and methodical in my moves. That's something I'm looking to break out of. And uh, my barometer for risk is really low. And I'm, I'm realizing, you know, that's because I come from the world of being an employee versus being an employer or an entrepreneur. Uh, so now it's, it's time to get uncomfortable and, or get comfortable being uncomfortable and um, look at some other avenues that are going to help, you know, promote the current one that I'm in and, and maybe take that or have another area that might be more attractive to hire employees in uh, and grow from there. Dude, I love that. I love that. And you know, the funny part is we, we have a program where we, uh, it's called Mission Mindset Adventures, where we take business owners and we do crazy shit like climb 14,000 foot peaks. And in February, we're heading down to the Grand Canyon. We're going to climb down into the Grand Canyon, down to the river and back up. And it, it's all around mission and mindset and why and all those kinds of things. It's, it helps develop a really solid, unstoppable leadership style. It's what I learned through my journey. And we take people just like yourself down to do that. I would invite you to do that if you were interested in it, of course, and anybody listening as well. If you want to take your business and leadership and, and take it to the next level, the best leaders have a mission that is burning like an inferno in their souls. And they just can't, they, they can't get up early enough to get the work done. They can't spend enough time with their family. Like they're just mission focused. And in that experience, the goal is to show you First of all, introduce you to your mission. The second thing is to get it locked in. So when you get back, you can just tear the hell out of everything. It's a cool part. So if you're up for that, dude, I'd, I'd love to have you on the journey with us. It's a very small group we take. It's very intimate. The goal here is to really impact uh, the next level of leaders that are coming out in their industry. So um, yeah, absolutely. Sounds so, interesting. Absolutely. So um, I'd like to get the best piece of advice that you've learned along your journey so far that has helped you the most. I've had a lot of good advice along the way. I would say that, again, you can't do it on your own, right? So you have to continue to look for ways to invest in yourself. And that doesn't always necessarily mean that you've got to pull out your card or your, your wallet and pay for a class or a program or a software. Um, don't get so inundated by the work and by the schedule that you're too busy to have coffee with someone or have lunch with someone. I, I have a, I met a guy in my first year when I was running around like a maniac and I needed a flat of flowers for a client. The client's like, can you plant flowers? I'm like, you're going to pay me to plant flowers? Sure. Let's make it happen. I run to this greenhouse and I buy flowers and I'm, I'm kind of a little bit frazzled. And, and the guy says, do you have a business card? I said, yeah. He's like, I like how you present yourself. Um, I'm the owner of this place. And so it's a really big place. And, um, that individual and I, you know, became really, you know, he, he's a mentor and now a friend, someone I'm, I'm happy to call a friend. Uh, 
in, you know, he's busy and I'm busy, but we'll make time and we'll meet at 5.30 or 6 a.m., have a quick coffee, um, you know, before I get my day running and get to my shop and get my guys out. So, you know, you always have to find a way to make time and schedule it out to get someone else's opinion, get advice, get guidance. Um, and I think as men, it's hard for us to admit when we're having a problem or we can't solve something that ego gets in the way and just be comfortable seeking that help and surrounding yourself. You know, it's like, show me the five people you surround yourself with and I'll show you your life. Right. So if I just want to hang out with the five best builders who are just building, well, that's what I'm going to be. Uh, but if I want to be, you know, a great business owner and own multiple businesses, then I need to be surrounding myself by those types of people and asking them questions, being respectful of their time. I always try to make sure, you know, I have one question uh, that I can boil down to like a real cogent thought. This is what I'm having a problem with right now. What can you tell me? And then yep. I'm quiet. Mm -hmm. Their time is important, but most people who've been there love nothing more than to help other people. 100%. Um, just because they're successful or they're very high up. And I've been around, you know, I, I reported to C-level executives for uh, a good deal of the latter half of my career. Uh, those people are all often looked at or, or someone who owns a, a, a big real estate company with a thousand units or someone who owns the largest supply yard in the area. Um, yes, they're busy, but if you approach them and ask them for five minutes of their time, they'll end up giving you 45 minutes of their time. Mm -hmm. So have gratitude. Don't be afraid to ask. Have a good network. Surround yourself with the five people you aspire to be like. Um, you ask one thing. I'm giving a bunch, but I think they're all kind of in a rubber band ball with each other. Mm -hmm. You can't just do one. They all have to work together. And most importantly, you've got to make time for it. Um, and if you can do all that, then that can free up the time that you need to spend it with the people you're doing this all for, you know, your family, yourself, and, and your friends, uh, and you know, whatever your hierarchy is within there and what you want to accomplish personally. Um, that's an area that I struggle with. Um, I'm very A-type, I'm very focused. And I can sit up and stay up till midnight every night working and then get up the next day and go and come back. And it's like, I've got to learn to unplug and spend time with the people that supported me to, to make all this possible. Yep. So, you know, I have a person that I go to for that type of advice. Um, you know, we'll talk about how am I doing as a person, as a man, spiritually, how am I doing? Then I have the guy I go to when I want to get the best technical expertise for building and building practices. I've got a guy that I, you know, I'm going to start talking to about finances. So try to, I'm putting this together now mm -hmm. and it's like, what are the things in my life that I need to get better at and how am I either going to outsource them or upskill myself? Um, and winter is a great time for me to reflect on that. So I, I had gotten in the downward spiral of getting focused on completing the work and collecting the revenue, um, a lot through the summer and the fall. It's like, I got to get my head out of the sand and I need to get back to talking to different people because all I will be is the best person who can collect the payments for the work that's done. And that doesn't take much, right? It's just chasing your tail. Uh, if I don't do these other things, that's all I'm going to do. I will be yeah. stuck there. Yep. Exactly. So yeah, that's what I would say. It's, it's, it's 
have good mentors, ask questions, be focused and uh, create time for everyone in your life other than just the business. I love it, dude, because that's what we're trying to do it all for, right? It's we think we're going to spend a lot of time in a business to make a lot of money so we can buy a lot of time to spend with ones we love, but all the ones that we love want is our time. So they would rather less money and more time than anything. And, but our ego gets in the way often because we got to make sure that it's all worth all the time we're putting into it because we all know we feel like we're one foot's on a banana peel and the other one's over the edge, right? And you're just ready to go down any time. So right. you're just holding on every single day. And you know, others that aren't in business, they just don't understand that, that pressure, that stress that goes into owning a business or in some cases owning a job. So it's a, uh, it's a ride, man. It's, we got to be crazy because who else gives up a nine to five, you know, with benefits and all that in order to work a hundred hours a week with no certainty whatsoever. But there's something about a pioneering mindset and in, in a, a will inside of you, a spark that you just can't knock out, man. It's just, it's just ready to be, you know, for life to be discovered and for, yeah, it's, I don't know. I love it. I love the entrepreneurial spirit and that's, I reflect well with that with people and it's been deep in me. It's been there forever, but uh, I'm glad you have it as well because it's the best ride. You're never going to sit back and live with regret unless you steal from your family in time, you know what I mean? And go and you get all this money and you don't have any of their time during the time that you grew this, this thing. So building an empire is not easy, but uh, take that time, breathe. I'm glad you've got mentors in each of those levels because it's so important. Yeah. I, I, I'll say one more thing, um, you know, living with regret and along the way, I, I talked to somebody that had been through their whole professional life and they retired and, you know, the advice they gave me was if you want to do something, do it because you're not getting any time back. Yeah. And as we all learn, uh, as you get older and you have kids and a family and a business, um, you really want to like watch time evaporate, open up a landscape company, right? The spring and summer gone. It's yeah. just like, it didn't even happen. Um, but, uh, this individual told me, you know, you're going to start getting to the backside, the back half of your life. And how would you feel if you were on your hospital bed and you said, boy, I wish when I was 40, I would have went and opened up that construction company. But yeah. instead, you just stayed working in an office because it was safe and secure. And at that, on that same bed, you'd say, I'm so glad I sat in that office in that nice little comfortable world because I don't know what I would have did had I taken the risk. And well, how do you know? Right. So the worst thing that can happen is it doesn't work out or I hate it. And I go dust the mothballs off the suits and go back. But to me, that was like, that would be the biggest failure, right? Is to mm. say, I didn't try and I didn't apply myself. So you don't know. And you know, that you can be a lot of things in your life. You don't have to just be this one singular thing and, and do this one job. And that job defines you. You, you can do many things. Um, all this has been imparted upon me from me just asking other people and being open to listen to what they say. Sometimes it's, it's valuable and, and it has relevancy in my life. Um, most of the time it does. Sometimes maybe it's not. And I say, ah, I'm not really sure I like that, but you don't know unless you ask. Exactly. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. So important. Mm -hmm. Well, Jared, I could talk to you all day long about this awesome stuff. Um, so if people want to reach out to you and, and hear more about your story or how you went from $175 to over a million in less than four seasons, how do they reach out to you? Uh, the best way I would say is look us up on Facebook. That's really the area that, um, by the, uh, 
efforts of my wife, we keep that one updated um, kind of behind on. We have a website, we have an Instagram and we have a Facebook, but you can look up Jared Johnston Landscaping on both Instagram and Facebook. Uh, and that will be we'll be announcing through those platforms when we're kind of fully changing over to JJ Outdoor Living. That's the best place. And, and the thing that I kind of monitor the most, the website is a uh, big neglect of mine right now. So we got to put some work into that over the winter and, and uh, make sure that that's all intertwined properly. Got it, man. Thank you for your time on here. I know I certainly uh, love your story and love listening to it, of course. And I hope the listeners got something from it. I'm sure they did. And uh, guys, you know, I, it's this podcast doesn't run alone. If you heard something in this podcast that you really liked, that, that really struck you, share it. Share it with friends, share it with somebody. The opportunity for them to grow as well is important. And just to think that you'd be part of that growth is, is really an awesome, an awesome feeling for sure. And if you're interested in, in more going from a design build model into a design manage model, we actually have a mastermind that uh, Jared's part of as well, that we talk each week about what it takes to do that. I share my story from going from design build to design manage and uh, how to structure that and how to run a, a very successful company with very little overhead and very few employees and have the flexibility to spend more time with your family and travel a lot more and all that good stuff. So if you're interested in that, just reach out to me at hello at yes.express and we can chat a bit more, make sure it's a good fit for you. We give you the first week. Uh, we'll have you come in complimentary. You can take a look around, make sure it's the right fit for you and go from there. Um, again, it's uh, hello at yes.express. So thank you for listening and we'll catch up with you guys next week.